anyone know what today is? For those of you that did not respond as Brother Cameron did, yes, it is Beyond Sunday. It is our Beyond Offering Sunday. See, I got, see, I, it's all right. But also, Brother Cameron, today is Super Bowl Sunday. And I know that some of you were thinking that these red lights were all about Valentine's Day. But do not be fooled. It's Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. This is a day that football fans wait for all year long. Well, unless you're a Cowboys fan and now you're just waiting for the beginning of next season. That was for all of my friends that listen online from the South. They know who they are, and they know the pain that they feel every year at this time. I really wasn't into football, I'll be honest, until I had moved to Kansas City. I had saw a few games, but it just wasn't really that big of a deal to me. Then I got out there and got caught up in it, and the men in my men's group. and We, we had church the last time that the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, and Everything in that church was red. There were people wearing Chiefs jerseys, taking pictures and posting it and tagging the church in it. I mean, I figured, you know what, well, we might as well just go ahead and have fun. I got caught up in it. And so this year, again, the Kansas City Chiefs are, well, they're going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was recently asked if God pays attention to football or not. I started to think about that, and I realized, you know what, he is the chief cornerstone. This is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. And then, you know what, I got convicted because we're also told that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So I'm completely in scripture this morning. So will your prayers work? I have no idea. But it never hurts to pray. So this morning, I'll be reading from Genesis 25. I'll be reading verses 29 through 34. Is it all right if we have fun in church? Just making sure, because I was going to have fun anyway. Just want to make sure everybody has it with me. Genesis 25, beginning at verse number 29. If you have your Bibles, if you do not, they will have it on the screen for you. It says, Now Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name is called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate, drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. In the spirit of what today is, being our Beyond Sunday and also Super Bowl Sunday, I thought I would have a little fun with the title. And so for the next little bit, this is my title. Beyond the Bowl. Beyond the Bowl. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you going to go beyond the bowl? 
And you may be seated. Those of you that were afraid to ask, it's okay. It was a day much like today. January 25th, 1987. Super Bowl Sunday. The New York Giants were playing the Denver Broncos. Disney was officially about to launch their new campaign called What's Next? In preparation for this, Disney went to both quarterbacks before the game. They went to Phil Simms of the Giants and they found the Broncos quarterback, John Elway. And the idea was that whoever won would say the phrase during this post-game euphoria, they would, they would utter a phrase. The New York Giants defeated the Denver Broncos 39-20. to 20. And I have for you the result after the game. Super Bowl since the quarterback or the most valuable player has been the one that would say on the winning team what are you going to do next I'm going to Disney World 60 minutes of pain 60 minutes of fighting 60 minutes of running 60 minutes of all you can imagine leaving everything on the field and 60 minutes later Phil Simms utters the words I'm going to Disney World be the one that would say those five words he had to win. To be the one that was paid the 75000 he had to win. He had to look beyond the Super Bowl. He had to look beyond what was going on to get to that point. He actually had to get beyond the Super Bowl. I have to wonder this morning as I begin to read our scripture text, I, I have to wonder this morning if someone would have went to Esau and begin to talk to him about the importance of his birthright. If someone would have went to him and began to explain to him what it meant to have a birthright. If there was someone that would have talked to him. If maybe Esau could have looked and saw beyond the bowl. Jacob knew how to cook and Esau knew how to hunt. Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau was a man's man. I have Bible for that. The Bible grew, and I don't make this stuff up. I actually use the Bible in most of my messages. The boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau, and he ate of his venison. But Rebekah, Rebekah loved Jacob. He was a mama's boy. In our text, we begin to find the scripture to where Jacob is cooking and Esau's been in the field. And it tells us that, that, that Esau is weary. He's faint. One translation says that he was famished. And in that moment of weariness, that moment of weakness that was brought on by hunger, Esau makes a decision that will impact the rest of his life. Please give me 
some of that bean stew because I'm weary. Jacob replies, trade me your birthright. And in that moment, Esau makes a statement that tells me he cannot see beyond the bowl. He cannot see beyond the hunger. He cannot see beyond this moment right here. And he says, I am about to die. What use is this birthright to me? Weariness caused him to give up on the very thing that made him who he was. When you begin to study what it was to have the birthright, it was the first son. He received a double portion of the parental inheritance, but it wasn't simply about money or inheritance. The responsibility of the birthright was that of leadership of the family. The firstborn inherited the judicial authority of the father. He became the patriarch of the family. He would become the one that would lead them in worship. It would become him that was the priest of the family. And Esau gave it all away for a bowl of beans. Paul quoting the prophet Malachi in Romans says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved. But Esau have I hated. Jacob the liar, the cheat, the scoundrel, I loved him. But Esau I detest. It happened because he couldn't look beyond the the bowl. This morning I have come with one purpose in mind. And that is to make sure that we are not so tired. That all that we can see is what is right in front of us. I know that we're weary. I know that we're exhausted. I know that we've been fighting the devil. I know that all of hell seems that it has opened up. And begin to war against us and against our family. But I need somebody to start looking beyond the bowl. I need somebody to start looking about beyond what's right in front of you. Because if you'll look beyond the bowl you'll see that there's power, there's anointing everything you have need of I know you're weary and heavy laden but I've got a God that's going to give you rest I've got a God that says don't settle where you are, keep walking keep worshiping, keep praying look beyond the bowl because there's something more for you to do the enemy of your soul, the disguiser of who he is this morning is offering you a trade He says, would you trade temporary satisfaction for your eternal reward? After all, what good is it doing you? Look at your life. Look at the pain that you're in. Look what's happened to your family. Look at all of the things since you've started going to that church. Look at what has happened to your family. Look at everything that has come against you since you've decided to go beyond. Since you've decided that you're not going to settle. Look at everything. Look how weary you are. Look at all of the things that have attacked you. And you want to know why it's happening? Because of what you're doing for God. And He's trying to tell you, if you'll just step back and you'll trade it, I'll give you peace. The thing that I find about that, I know that you're weary and I know that you're famished, but I know this, that immediately after Esau ate the beans, it may not have been just in a couple minutes, but even that evening he was hungry again. I need someone to understand it's just a temporary fix. Don't satisfy yourself on what's temporary. You've got to get a hold of something that's eternal. You've got to get a hold of something that's real. You've got to look beyond what what's here and now and say I'm looking unto the heavens I'm looking unto my father I'm looking unto the author and the finisher of my faith I'm not going to settle for here I've got somewhere to go 
immediately saw was hungry again later. And I, I, I have to think because there's only so much that you can eat even if he ate all of that bowl. And Jacob gave him another bowl because he felt sorry for him. It was a little bit later as Esau sitting in that tent. Maybe he's beginning to think, oh, what is that I feel again? That's hunger again. And he begins to think, I just traded off my birthright and now I'm feeling it again. Don't think the devil's going to stop fighting you just because you take a back seat. Don't think the devil's going to stop fighting you just because you quit praying, quit giving, quit tithing, quit worshiping. Don't think he's going to stop. No, he's going to make sure that he destroys you, that he tears you down. He has one goal, and that goal is simple, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to drag you to the pits of hell. When all of a sudden you begin to feel that pain again. You begin to feel all of those things that are going on in your family again. You begin to look and say, I just had a moment of peace. I had a moment of peace. But understand me, that moment of peace will not last. It will come again. But if you've got a hold of a God that has all power in heaven and earth, this morning I'm going to introduce you to him. And he said, I want you to go beyond the pain. I want you to look beyond the worry. I want you to look beyond the fear. I want you to get a hold of me because I am here and I'm well able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or even think I am your God I'm on the throne I've never lost and I never will so why should I worry you know what it would be easier to just not expand it would Prices keep going up. Can't get people to even. You're trying to spend money with people. It's like I, I talked to the person at the store over the carpet, and I was like, "Look, man, do you know how much money I'm trying to spend with you guys? You just won't let me. It would be so much easier not not to worry about that. I mean, after all, we've got empty seats." After all, there's still room back there in the Sunday school class. You know, you know how much easier it would be to just settle for where we are? I mean, why are we creating a place that's going to be right through those double doors? Why are we creating a place that we're going to have a guest connect where we're going to be able to meet with all of our guests and give our first time guests a gift that I showed you last week of a coffee mug with our, with our logo on it? Why are we going to all of that trouble? I mean, that stuff costs money. Sure does. But so does discipleship. It's not, it, it, it costs us. It costs us something, but in the end, it's worth it, and we've got to be able to look beyond where we are. Why last week would I preach a message and cast a vision and try to give us a purpose for 2023? Why would I preach that God is about to multiply? Don't I understand the cost of multiplication? It's not just an exciting message that says, whoa, we're about to multiply and we're about to do all of these things. No, it costs to be multiplied. Our, our verse of scripture of Acts 6 and 7, don't I understand what caused that to happen? 
And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Don't I understand for the disciples to be multiplied they had to face persecution and death? See I didn't put that part in last week because I wanted everybody to be happy. Multiplied. Multiplied. The culture of Christ, it cost. But we've got to be willing to look beyond the pressure. We've got to be willing to look beyond everything that's going on and say, it's going to be worth it all. Oh, I've had all of those feelings. I've had all of those fears. And I want everybody to understand, yes, I understand the cost. Yes, I understand what it's going to take. But in this last days, I'm believing that everything we can do is not even going to be enough unless God comes down in a mighty way and multiplies us it's going to take pressure it's going to take pain but when God begins to multiply there's a blessing and then he's going to send us and we're going to share the gospel we're going to make disciples we're going to teach them we're going to baptize them we're going to do the work of almighty God it's not just a message for me it's a life it's not just a, a theme. It's, it, it's a purpose for me. I looked at the disciples and how that they had to look beyond the bowl. They had to look beyond the persecution. And that's, where we're, that's why we're standing here this morning. We're standing here because someone said, it's worth it. It's worth it for me to face the death. It's worth it for me to face persecution. It's worth it for me to go through all of those things. Because God is going to have a church. Borrow from the words of Paul this morning. We're running to win. I'm not in this to lose. I'm not in this to come in second place. I'm not talking about, oh, a number. or I, I'm just saying I'm not in this to come in second place to anything the adversary has. I know I, I'm not worried about anything that he wants to throw our way because we've got authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We can take dominion over it. And I want someone to understand when you're running, you better be running to win. That's why you've got to pray like you've never prayed before. That's why you've got to worship. That's why you've got to praise. There's got to be something on the inside that says I'm not in this just to be a part I'm in this to win I'm in this for a crown I'm in this for God Paul says don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win all athletes are disciplined in their training they do it to win a prize that will fade away it's right there in the middle that prize oh it's pretty but it's going to fade away. You know what they were doing? Tom Brady, when they won it, they had it out on a boat with a camera, and they were just throwing it from boat to boat. doesn't mean anything. It's temporal. It's going to fade away. But what we, oh, what we are training for is an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. I'm training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I want someone to understand this morning. I'm in this with everything that I've got. I'm running with purpose. Bethel, we've got to start running with purpose. We've got to pray with purpose. We've got to worship with purpose. We've got to praise with purpose. Everything we do, we've got to make disciples with purpose. We've got to give with purpose. Everything we do, it's got to be for the purpose and the call of Almighty God. 
tonight only one team. And yes, I hope it's the Chiefs. If that is the only time you have clapped today. I'm just kidding. That's why I didn't look up. Please forgive me. To our guest, I'm like this worse. So just keep coming back. You know what? In 1987, it was just one quarterback that got to say the magic words, I'm going to Disney World. You know who it wasn't? The loser. Oh, nowadays, everybody gets a trophy. That's not what we're in. That's not what we're in. We're in this to win. We're in this because the enemy, I guarantee you, he's running to win. He's fighting to win. He's not about to give up or get in. He's about to do everything he can. The radio dispatch, the radio guy that calls the Chiefs whenever they get to the fourth quarter, he asks a question and he says, you know what time it is? And then they say, what time? And he says, it's time to put the hammer down. He's saying they've got to go. They can't just stop. They can't give up. If you're leading, keep bleeding. If you're behind, do everything you can to make sure you win in the end. I need somebody in this house to decide. I'm going to put the hammer down in my prayer. I'm going to put the hammer down in my worship. I'm not letting anybody out praise me, out give me, out worship me, out pray me. I'm going to do everything that I've got to worship him, to magnify him because I'm looking beyond where I am right now. For 60 minutes, they left it all on the field. They may have been injured, but they wanted to keep playing. They had to be taped up, but they wanted to keep playing. I know that some of us have been injured. I know that some of us have felt pain. We have been wounded in the house of friends, if you will. We've been wounded in the house of God, and we still feel that pain. I need someone to come alongside me and be willing to wrap up those wounds because we're playing to win. We're fighting to win. We're going to put some balm of Gilead in there. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. And God is not only going to touch your body and your mind, but he's going to touch your spirit because he's going to begin to heal you of all of those bruises, all of those inward wounds, all of those things that come out whenever you feel the pain and the pressure. Somebody understand me. We've got to leave it all on this field because we're going to a place whose builder and maker is God and we're not going to get there unless we're playing to win. I'm playing to win. Playing to win. We're running to win. We're fighting to win. So if you're weary... Remember that rock, that chief, cornerstone? David said, hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer from the end of the earth. I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, in the middle of all of your weariness, in the middle of all of your pain, in the middle of all of your hurt, you need to get a hold of God and say, ah, lead me to that rock that is higher than me. Lead me to that one. Lead me to that plane. Take me of where I am and put me in your presence, God. Lead me to the rock. Rock Christ Jesus, the same rock that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. It's the revelation of who God is. Lead me to that rock. I don't want to be swayed. I don't want anything to be washed away so that I lose a grip of my foundation that I've been built on. God, lead me to that rock.
Oh, not to leave anything out. Remember the eagles? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, I love this, he fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths, they're going to faint. They're going to be weary. The young men, they're going to utterly fall. But they that wait. You know what? That bowl looks good, but they that wait. Don't, don't, don't you want? No, I'm, I'm waiting. Because when I wait upon the Lord, I'm going to renew my strength. I'm going to mount up with wings as eagles. I'm going to run. I'm not going to be weary. I'm going to walk and I'm not going to faint. That's all right. I'll pass. I'll pass. There may be some in the house that are fans of Lambert's. I am not. But they will come by with so much food that by the time you eat what they have brought around, noodle and tomatoes, some kind of mess. <laughs> What's it called? It's nasty. That's what it's called. <laughs> Thank you. That may be the greatest Brother Marty amen that I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> They'll walk by with that stuff. With a big bowl. And I'll just say, no, thank you. I'm good. Then they'll come by with these things called okra. They think they're smart. They think they can get to a Louisiana boy. Let's just fry them. It's still okra. I'll pass. I'll pass. But before I was on my diet, you know what I wouldn't pass on? It didn't come in a bowl. Carrot cake. <laughs> That's another restaurant, Sister Sandy. And no, I wouldn't pass on that either. I'll be in Kansas City next month, and I plan on having me a piece. I'm hungry. How about y'all? I haven't been there in a while, but I think they're still doing it. They'll bring out this big tray of rolls. I'm sitting back there where Hunter's at. This dude's over there, and and I'll just go. And Sykeson, there's this big limb across there. <laughs> and the good ones can go, whoo, make it go over the limb and oh, catch it. I need someone to understand there are some things that you need to pass up. Oh, I know it might look good, but there are some bowls that all they're going to do is spoil you for what God has intended for you. All of those extras, all of those things that they, they include with the meal, even the bread that I caught, all of those things, they're there. And they're, if you're not careful, they will spoil what I just ordered. And there are some things that you have been praying for, that you have been asking for, that you have been waiting for, and the enemy's coming by, and he's offering you a substitute. He's offering you something temporary. He's telling you, it's all right if you get angry. It's all right if you get bitter. It's all right if you get weary. Why? Because you 
you deserve to be that way? Don't you know how they treated you? Don't you know what happened? Why don't you just settle for this? God's not going to, he's not going to judge you for that. He loves you. He loves everybody. I need someone to understand that all of those things are distractions. We've got to get our eye on the main course. We've got to get our eyes on what matters. And what matters is a kingdom of God being filled with people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Why? Because they shall be filled. I'm going to leave all of the other stuff. I'm hungry for righteousness. I'm hungry for power. I'm hungry for worship. I'm hungry for him. What all of those things are going to do, they're going to distract you. You're going to walk into this house one day. And the main course is going to show up and, and you're not even going to know he was there. Oh, that'll never happen. Sure it will. How about those two fellows walking on the road and they're so filled with grief. He just shows up. Whew. He's walking with them. They say, hey, let's stay at our house. He breaks bread and then he's gone. And they realize and then they look at each other and say, we should have known. For did not our hearts burn within us? Oh, I'm telling you, we can't get to the place that we are so jaded by everything else that's happened. We can't get to the place that we miss his presence when it comes into the house. I know, even if you've, even if you've fallen short, it's all right. His mercy's made new every day. Grab a hold of mercy. Grab a hold of grace. Because I need it every day. I need it in everything that I do. I'm going to die daily. I'm going to repent daily. I'm not just of some things, but everything. God, if it's unlike you kill it and take it out I want to be right I want to be right with you why why because I'm looking beyond right now I'm not looking for a temporary prize see first Peter 5 and 4 says and when the chief shepherd shall appear you shall receive a crown of glory. And if it ended there, that would be awesome. We could celebrate that. But it goes on. That fadeth not away. Paul said all of those athletes, they're running for a prize that's going to fade away. Oh, but when the chief shepherd shows up, he's going to give you a crown that fadeth not. So how do I get beyond? I start looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, those things that are holding you down, and the sin that easily ensnares us, and let us... Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. What is that? What? It's a great cloud of witnesses. What? 
Well, what's going on? This is how I want to end today. If we'll stand, the reporter is standing there with Paul. Paul, you've done it all. You were a Pharisee among Pharisees. Can the crowd come up a little bit, Brother Darren? Just the sound of the crowd. I want to feel like a chair. That first quarter for you, it was a little rocky. You persecuted the early church. You watched Stephen get stoned. And then you had that Damascus road. Have you ever seen one of these? When the reporter's trying to ask them, they have to get over the crowd. You had that Damascus road conversion. You were in prison three times. They stoned you once, shipwrecked three times. What now, Paul? Well, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my death is at hand. Oh, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Oh, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, he's going to give me on that day. And not to me only. Not to just me, but my entire team. All of them that love is appearing. Somebody hear me as they begin to play. I need somebody to get a hold of this and say, if you want it, you can win. If you want it, there's a crown. If you want it, there's a trophy. If you want it, the chief shepherd, the almighty God is here. This, this thing is 10 minutes long. There were some that were five hours. And I thought, why don't we just play that whole thing during the sermon? Because you know what? When I, what I hear when I preach, I hear this. about what God is doing in your life, in your family's life, uh, how that he's answering prayers that you have prayed uh, for 20, 30, 40 years. I hear the great cloud of witnesses. And they're saying, keep running. Keep running. I'm going to open this front for anybody that says, I want to win. I'm going to pray a prayer of strength and encouragement. Because you know what I've found when I watch There's always someone that has something to drink to refresh them after they've played. Have you ever seen a marathon as they're running? There are people that are waiting and the runner, he doesn't have to slow down or she. The one that has the refreshing says, I'm gonna go with you. 
take it, take it, take it. And when they're done, they take it back and they throw it down. And what do they do? They run back over here and they get something else for the next one that runs it. That's all I'm trying to do every Sunday morning. I'm trying to get over here and say, oh, I'm going to run with you. I want to get you refreshed. I want you to keep going. I want you to run this race. I'm wanting you to win. So if you would, would you come around the front? We could all be refreshed this morning. Maybe you're in this house and you're weary. Maybe you're in this house and you're like Esau. What good is this to me if I die? What good is this to me I'm bitter. I want to open your eyes to that great cloud of witnesses. Would you lift your hands all across the house? Come on, let's pray. It doesn't do us any good to know we're in a race if we're not willing to run. It's going to be a testimony like never before. You take what 
Lift your hands and love him one more time. As they sing this chorus one more time. 